Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things say the first and the last, who was dead and who came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Father, we pray that you will give us ears to listen, to hear what you are saying to us today as a church, Father, and to us individually. Amen. Amen. So, Last week we looked at the, the church of an Ephesus, the first of the seven churches, um, which uh, the revelation, um, the letter in the revelation was, was, or the revelation was written to. So there were seven churches in, in Asia Minor, which is now in modern day is modern day Turkey. And we looked at the church of Ephesus last week, and this week we're looking at the church of Smyrna and the church of Smyrna is today it's the only apparently the only one of the seven um, cities so to speak that is still sort of functioning as, as a town as a city and it's known today you may have heard of Izmir in Turkey so that's where uh, Smyrna was located Smyrna is was you know, another very busy city in Asia Minor. Um, a lot of trading went on in Smyrna, a very important city. It was um, also a, a, a very beautiful place, um, and it was known for um, its buildings. There was, a, there was a hill on the, on the top of Smyrna, and, and some, some beautiful buildings surrounded it uh, like, like a crown. And so uh, it was an important city. And as we see, uh, one of the seven churches uh, was placed there. And it's pretty apparent straight away that the church of Smyrna, like the churches throughout that time, were suffering persecution. Persecution seemed to be a very real experience not just for a few churches, but for, for most churches. Early, the early church um, <clears throat> was, was uh, persecuted. And the primary persecutor, but not the sole persecutor, was the Roman Empire. 
but we all, there was also, if you like, a religious persecution uh, from um, the Jewish, um, the traditional Jews um, who taught, uh, so some taught that this new, new sect was, was, was blasphemous and it was certainly a threat to, to the established order. And so in Smyrna, um, was no, Smyrna was no exception to this, to this rule, as we see from, uh, from this letter. So verse 8 says, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, Smyrna write, These things say the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. And with all of the, the seven letters, we have, um, if you like, an, an encouragement or, or uh, a message of hope, um, looking at, at, in particular, um, the person of, of Jesus. We also usually, we have either a warning or an, an exhortation, an encouragement to, to keep going, or it could be a warning or a, a, a rebuke. In, in, the, in the case of Smyrna, there's no actual rebuke. It's only an exhortation, but there is a warning in the sense of what's going to happen, but not a rebuke for any, any um, bad behavior on, on their, their part. And then <clears throat> there's also a promise. In, in each of the seven uh, letters, there's a promise for those who overcome. And the letter to Smyrna starts off looking at Jesus. These things say the first and the last who was dead and who came to life. So Jesus is speaking via the angel, via John, so to speak. He writes down the letter, the revelation. He is speaking directly to Smyrna and he's saying, these things say the first and the last who was dead and came to life. And how do we know that this is Jesus saying this? Well, if we look in Revelation chapter 1, we see one like the Son of Man laying his right hand on John who had fallen down before this vision saying do not be afraid I am the first and the last I am he who lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen and I have the keys of Hades and death and before that, he says something very similar in verse 8. The first utterance, if you like, of Jesus in the book of Revelation to John. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come. Then in verse 11, I am the Alpha 
and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches who are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So in the beginning, the first reference is I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Often, um, this is used as a text, you know, when we're talking, when we're talking to maybe sects um, who don't believe that Jesus is God. And you point to the, the first reference, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come. The Almighty. And you ask, who's that? And they'll say, oh, that's, that's God. And self-evidently, it is talking about God. Then if you go down to verse 11, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. So he was the beginning and the end, and here he's called the first and the last. Then in verse 17, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And obviously, only Jesus died and is alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So this is Jesus speaking to the church of Smyrna, and he uses this identification, I am the first and the last who was dead and who came to life he is the beginning and the end he is the alpha and the omega jewish rabbis used to use the beginning the first letter and the last letter of the hebrew alphabet to represent the totality of anything so this wasn't just a reference to time although it was a reference to the fact that you know jesus was eternal but it, it was also talking about the totality jesus was as the the, uh, the song says be my everything he was everything he was the beginning and the end he was the sovereign god the almighty who was is and is to come I remember talking actually to it was Jehovah's Witnesses about this and um, they, they were ready for this one. <laughs> They'd heard it before and they said, oh, no, 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 that's, 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 that's uh, Jesus. Yeah, no, that's not God. Um, but if you go to Isaiah chapter 41. Verse 4. Who's performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am He. In Isaiah 44, verse 6 Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God.
Isaiah 48 verse 12 listen to me O Jacob and Israel my called I am he I am the first I am also the last so here is a very clear unambiguous statement by Jesus saying I am God I am the Almighty One I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end and the first and the last remember the context in which this was written Christians many Christians were being persecuted many were losing hope was Jesus the one or was he just another false messiah yes he died but he rose again and is alive forevermore he is the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the first and the last from everlasting to everlasting the psalmist writes you are god There's nothing, more, there's nothing more you can say about that. Jesus is God. And he identifies himself as such in the first chapter of Revelation. And he reiterates it to the church in Smyrna. And in a sense, it's a very important theological point to make. Extremely important theological aspect. And one of the, the key phrases if you like in the book of revelation that he is the first and last the beginning and the end the, the the alpha and the omega who was is and is to come who is dead and is alive that is such an important cornerstone of the book of revelation to understand this and to understand the context in which it is written And we need, to, we need to keep that in mind as we, we go through the book of Revelation. We need to keep that in mind. At the same time, it was very much more than just a theological study that was going on here. Or a theological teaching. This church, Smyrna, was in the midst of serious persecution they were in the midst of serious persecution uh, by by the romans and it appears uh, by their jewish brothers so we know that some of the church of smyrna would have been jews who would have converted i don't know if converted is the right word but come into the fullness of their Jew, Jew, jewishness uh, by proclaiming jesus as lord and, and messiah And there was serious persecution and they needed to be encouraged they needed to know that god was with them that jesus had risen again and was alive and was reigning on his throne they needed to know that so it wasn't just a theological issue here about the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end it wasn't just for the Jewish rabbis to understand, although that was very important. It was important for them to know that their God was with them. 
that Jesus had risen and was reigning and ruling and he was with them despite the current circumstances that they were facing for their faith. Verse 9 says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. I know your works, your tribulation and your poverty. The scripture doesn't say what those works are. No doubt they were, they were loving and, and charitable. But it is clear that some of them are going to suffer. Some of them are going to go into prison. So it's probably not just charitable works. They're sharing the gospel. They're sharing the word of God. That's leading to tribulation. Remember the Romans had their the Caesars and some, the, it, some of the Caesars wanted emperor worship. So in some cases in, in, in the sort of the earlier part of the Roman Empire, they wanted you to worship their gods, the Roman gods. In the latter part of the Roman Empire, they um, introduced ro- uh, emperor worship where they actually wanted you to, to worship the emperor as a god. And the mission uh, was one of the, those emperors who, who asked for emperor worship. That led to tribulation and poverty. So there was, as I said, it was a, this was a center of commerce, of uh, trade. One of the, one of the commodities, if you like, that they, they traded was, was mir. So smyrna, the word smyrna comes from the word mir. And we know about gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. And uh, this was one of the commodities. But there was a lot of trading going on. But in order to, for you to sort of be part of, of the, the business groups of that day, the trading groups of that day, you had to uh, worship the, the Roman gods. So if you didn't, that would lead to poverty. So the, their works was linked to their tribulation and their poverty. I know your works, your tribulation and your poverty. Jesus said he knew knew what was going on. He could see what was going on through their faithfulness. And then as well as that issue, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, but they are not. They are the synagogue of Satan. So as well as the Roman Empire and and the, the system of the day, the economic system of the day come against them. They had the religious system of, of the, the Jewish, the nominal Jews, shall we say, who were seeking to persecute them for what they, what they believed. And God was saying, Jesus was saying, I know what you're going through. I know that you are suffering. I know what you're going through. And often, you know, when we are suffering, you know, people cry and console us, you know, oh, I know what you're going through, but sometimes we don't. But Jesus does know what the church, that church was going through, and he does know what we are going through. 
if you're suffering for what you have believed. You may have lost friends, family. You know yourself what you're going through because of the stance that you have taken for the gospel. And Jesus says, I know what you are going through. Now he doesn't say, don't worry, I'll sort of get it all sorted out now in, 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 you know, shortly. It'll all work out fine. He doesn't say that at all. One sort of stream of Christianity, I wouldn't even call it necessarily a stream of Christianity, but one emphasis that has come certainly in, in the latter years has been the prosperity. People may have heard of the prosperity gospel, where some preachers, they, they tend to be on TV a lot, saying, as a Christian, you should be rich. You shouldn't be poor. God wants to bless you. You should be rich. Well, this verse 9 of chapter 2 knocks that on the head. Smyrna were poor because, in material terms, because, specifically because they were faithful uh, to the gospel. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. So some people think that, the, <clears throat> that those 10 days, there's a dispute whether that 10 days was an actual 10 days or whether a day represented a year or whether it represented 10 emperors, 10 Roman emperors. So there was 10 emperors during the lifetime of the Roman Empire. 10 of the emperors specifically had it in for Christians and persecuted Christians. It doesn't really matter in one sense to us. The principle is still the same. If you are faithful in sharing the gospel and taking a stand for, for God and what you believe in, there is a chance, a strong chance, that you will suffer persecution. Now I think by the world standards, or should I say, by geographically by the world standards, in the Western world, we still have it quite, we have it quite easy, don't we? Relative to the persecuted church um, in other parts of the world, in Asia, in China, um, in Pakistan, Indonesia, where they really must be able to relate these words to their current, present-day experience of being persecuted for what they believe in, for standing firm in their faith. But maybe the time is coming when that will happen. Certainly, I believe the time is coming when our economic well-being could be in jeopardy if we don't go with the flow. If we don't bow down to the, to the, the system and gods of, of the modern world. 
And Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't pretend. He doesn't pretend that if you follow me, that everything is going to be fine in this world. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say that at all. Uh, John chapter 16 verse 33 these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Jesus says to the church, he says, be faithful unto death. So some are going to die because of what they, what they believed in. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. In um, <clears throat> Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter four, verse eight, Paul, uh, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, "Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will give to me on that day." And not only me, but also those who have loved his appearing. And here in the Revelation, Jesus talks about the crown of life. And in Smyrna, as I said, there was a hill at the top of uh, Smyrna. And it was, uh, there were these magnificent buildings and many people called it the crown of Smyrna. And also they were known for their so athletic prowess and, and you know, the, the, um, the Greek sort of games. I'm not sure if the, Olymp the Olympics weren't back then. I can't remember exactly. But maybe they were the old ancient Olympics. But they, people used to get, it wasn't a crown on their head, but it was like a, you know, a wreath when, when they won. And God is saying here, you will have a crown of life if you're faithful. Be faithful, you will have a crown of life. And Paul talks about a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give on that day to him, and not only to him, but to all, to all who have loved his appearing. Paul mentions one of his former Comrades, after this, he says, To all who has loved his appearing, be diligent, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So there's a clear distinction between loving this world and looking to the next world. Loving this world and looking 
to the next world. And the church of Smyrna, it is very clear that they were looking to the next world. But they needed to be encouraged. They needed an encouragement. And the encouragement that, that God was giving them, it wasn't that, you know, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. It's some of you are going to be put in prison. I want you to be faithful unto death. Hardly the most encouraging words in one sense. But then he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. What did Jesus say in, in John chapter 8? <laughs> be of good cheer. Even though you're going to have tribulations in this world, be of good cheer because I, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Be of good cheer. And he wants us to overcome the world as well. And if we overcome the world, we will not face the second death. If we look forward to his appearing, we will have a crown of righteousness. In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to the, to the Jews and he says to them he's talking about um, about his father and he says I speak to you what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. They said, Abraham is our father. But Jesus said to them in verse 39, if you are Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. And they accused him of having a, a demon. And he says to them in verse 49, I do not have a demon, but honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory, there is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my debt with my word, he shall never see debt. And so Jesus is revealed in chapter one of Revelation as the first and the last who lives and was dead and behold is alive forevermore. He is, as he said to Martha, the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even though he dies. And here he says in verse 18 of chapter 1, I am alive forevermore. I was dead, but I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and death. And essentially, the word of encouragement that he gives to the church in Smyrna is that you will not taste the second death 
because I have the keys of death and Hades. Yes, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He who overcomes will not taste the second death. One of the um, one of the famous church fathers, so the church father, the early church fathers, they would have been the church who would have come just after the apostles. And one of one of the famous early church fathers was a man called uh, Polycarp. You may have heard of him, the bishop of Polycarp. He was the bishop of Smyrna and essentially he was a spiritual grandson of the Apostle John so the Apostle John would have taught uh, an early church father called Arrhenius I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly and he in turn would have taught Polycarp and Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna and we have an account of Polycarp's death um, from the Christians of Smyrna. Polycarp was martyred before the period of the great persecutions organized from Rome by emperors like Diocletian. When Polycarp heard that the police were coming, the, the Roman police, he went downstairs and talked to them. Everyone was amazed at, at his age and courage and wondered where there should be so much haste about arresting an old man like him. He laid out a table for them, and then he went up and he prayed for two hours. He asked, can he get some time to pray? He prayed for two hours. He was encouraged to, to hail Caesar, to call him the Lord. But Polycarp said, I am not going to do what you advise. He would not change his, his mind at all. And this is what he, what he said. They said they're going to set the wild animals on him. Call them in, Polycarp replied, for we are not allowed to change from something better to something worse. Scorn the wild beasts and I'll have you burned alive. This was what the guy, the, the persecutor was saying to him if you don't change your mind. You threaten me with fires that burn for a short time and are soon quenched. You don't know about the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment that awaits the wicked. But why are you waiting? Come, do what you will. So Polycarp was burnt alive for what he believed. So he was the Bishop of Smyrna. So in a sense, this prophecy continued right down to his day. And it says, so the, the, the story goes that the, when his body was burnt, there was like a sweet aroma arose when his body was burnt. And we know myrrh, myrrh is used as a, it's a, an embalming oil. It is, there's a bitterness to it, 
but it's also used in a, as an embalming oil and it's associated with death, but it also has a sweet aroma. And often with myrrh, uh, or sorry, with myrrh to produce it, it has, first has to be crushed. It has to be crushed before the oil uh, can be made. And I believe God wants to encourage us that if you're going through a time of crushing, a time of pressing, as, as Audrey read, if you're going through that difficult time, that God is with you, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, who was and is and is to come. And he holds the keys of death and Hades. And he wants us to be faithful in this time. He wants to be faithful to him, faithful to his gospel. And if we overcome, we will have a crown of righteousness, a crown of life, and we will not taste the second death because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. It may seem way out there, it may seem far away, but Jesus wants to encourage us today that he is the Alpha and the Omega even though it might not seem in your circumstances that that is the reality. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He wants to encourage you. He knows what you are going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. Again, it might feel like he's silent, but he knows what you are going through. And he wants you to be faithful, to be faithful to him. Amen. Father, we thank you that you want to encourage us. Always you want to encourage us, Lord. But Lord, I thank you um, <clears throat> that Jesus holds the keys of Hades and death. That he has tasted the second death that we don't have to. Yes, um, people may harm our body, uh, but we are to fear him um, who can harm, who can uh, put the soul uh, in, into, into the fire, the eternal fire. Lord, but we thank you. We thank you for the death of Jesus. Father, I pray that you will give us, um, you'll give us that steadfastness, steadfastness that anchor in our soul that we will follow you even though times are hard and that we will know that you are with us. You are standing with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.